Cascade Hoops Talk, bringing the world NAI basketball one podcast at a time. Cascade Hoops Talk. Hey, this is Billy D here with uh, Mark Svegara. He's the head coach at Briarcliff, the Chargers. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. It's great to be here. I'm a, like I told you before, I'm a big fan. I think I've listened to most of your podcasts, so it's exciting to be on today. How bad did I butcher your last name? You were pretty close. It's Svegara. <laughs> that, you know, uh, that SV throws people off sometimes. Mark, I saw there's a video you put out and you say your own name. And I watched it a hundred times, and I still couldn't get it. I thought, I'm not even going to ask him how to pronounce it. If I can't get it now, it's it's as good yeah, it's, as it's it, going to get. No, you you were really close. I, I take no offense to anybody mispronouncing it. There's something odd there with the SV that I, you know, I'm from the mountains in Oregon. I don't know what else to tell you. So Yeah, that, that's what usually throws people. You know, you don't see a lot of SV in the English language. So, Mark, uh, you're there Fifth year now, starting your fifth year at Briarcliff. Uh, you and I were just talking a moment ago, but I really want to start with, you know, I'm a sucker for history and tradition, a longtime lifetime fan of, of Oregon Tech basketball, which is really all about culture and tradition. Th- those type of programs really uh, draw my attention. I think that NAI basketball transcends, ba- transcends basketball, and it's really about these traditions and, and almost family. You know, you really have a great history, a deep history. Uh, whenever anybody talks about Briarcliff basketball, they know exactly what to expect there. C- could you just talk about, you know, Briarcliff basketball and what it what it means to, to you and to the school? Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, this is my fifth year as a head coach. This is actually my 11th year in the program. I was an assistant here for six years before being promoted. And, and so I've been around the program for over a decade now. And when I came here... I knew that there was some some history with the program. I played in the GPAC way back when, but I didn't know all about it. And, you know, the first thing, Briarcliff's a pretty young program in the grand scheme of college basketball. We started playing in 1966, and, and Briarcliff was actually an all-girls school up until that point. And into the mid-'70s, uh, they kind of became a national power. Uh, had a head coach here for 26 years named Ray Nackey, who's an NAI Hall of Famer. And – he brought the program to pretty, pretty high heights, uh, had a connection internationally. And we had a bunch of guys from Panama that played here throughout the seventies, eighties and nineties. I think the, the, the count was 28 Panamanians played here. And if you look at the all time leading scores in the history of Iowa basketball at all levels of the collegiate game, the all time leading scorer played at Briarcliff, Mario Galvez, he scored 3,200 points here. The third all-time leading scorer, Rolando Frazier, played at Briarcliff. He scored 3,100 points here. Uh, Coach Nackey went to, I think, 12 national tournaments in a, in a, in a short window of time. And so there's all this history. Uh, there's all this tradition. And for, for a good amount of time, men's basketball was, was one of the very few sports we had at Briarcliff. And so it really became kind of a basketball school. And people on our campus and, and people in our community really get behind us. And we're fortunate to play in front of big crowds. Uh, we have tremendous engagement from our alums, from our supporters, boosters, whatever you want to call them. It's just a really fun program to be around uh, when you know that the, that the campus gets behind you and the community gets behind you. 
And I think I should add too that where we're located in Sioux City, Iowa, Northwest Iowa, it's a pretty basketball crazy area. And there's a lot of good programs, both high school and college, within a, a pretty small area here. And so it's it's fun to be a part of. It's 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 a program that I have a really deep passion for. It's a school that I have a really deep passion for after being here for as long as I've been here at this point. But yeah, that that history is it's something we talk about with our guys. It's something our guys know about. It's something we talk about with recruits. It's just so unique to Briarcliff uh, that it, it'd be stupid for us not to not to sell that a little bit. Mark, whenever. Whenever people talk about Briarcliff basketball, the term the cliff is always used to describe. Where, where did that come from? What's the history there? I'll tell you what, Bill. Our school is built into a hill. Uh, okay. <laughs> and so it's, it's literally on a cliff. And legend has it, I think this is true. I've been told at least when they, when they built the school back in the 30s, they actually had to knock off some of the cliff to have enough flat ground to build some of the buildings. Um, and so... You know, we're the only school in the country that I'm aware of that has Cliff as the second name of their institution. And that's something I've always been a fan of. Let's call it the Cliff. Let's call it the Cliff. And we use that a lot. The school started to use it more. And it's just very unique to us. And it's a really cool campus setting we have just because of how we're located on the hill. Well, you've educated me. I've used the term probably 100 times in top 25 countdowns or GPAC updates. And I always just like the sound of it, but now you've educated me. Yeah, it's, it's it's a cool setup we have here. So you grew up. You're you're actually a Nebraska native. Grew up in uh, Ralston, Nebraska, and then you went to uh, Dana Dana College. Is what level is Dana? I hate to correct you, Bill, but it's actually Dana. Okay, thank you. Um, and uh, and Dana College does not exist anymore. Okay, Dana was a member of the GPAC for a long time. Um, I played there from '02 to '06, and you know, so I played in the GPAC, so I've known the GPAC for a long, long time. But Dana actually closed in the summer of 2010, and so I'm without an alma mater. But we, we were an NAI school in the GPAC uh, located in Blair, Nebraska. So right now, everybody in the prairie who's listening is laughing at me, but I'm, I'm used to that. But So you went to Dana, and then uh, when you graduated there, you assisted there. I'll ask you the same thing I ask everybody else. When did you decide you wanted to be a basketball coach? You know, that's a great question. I don't know that I can pinpoint one specific time. I, you know, I went to college like a lot of 18-year-olds. I chose the college because that's where I wanted to play basketball, and everything else was kind of secondary. And I don't necessarily condone that, but that is the reality of recruiting a lot of times. And, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do post-basketball. And, and I ended up as an education major, and I really thought I would be a, a high school teacher and coach. And so I think I probably knew basketball was going to be part of it. But I got into college coaching kind of on a fluke uh, the spring of my senior year. Uh, the women's program at Dana actually was looking to add a junior varsity program and needed a coach. And, and the women's coach there, who I knew, obviously, asked me if I would be interested. And I said, well, yeah, sure. I, had, I actually had a semester of school left. And so I, I kind of jumped in and, and coached women's basketball that first year. And, you know, I, I just I loved college basketball. And I did as a player. And I did immediately as a coach. And it's, it's just, I talk a lot about the experience I want players to have in our program. And it's something that's really, really important. I mean, I think that's because I had such an awesome experience as a college basketball player myself. And I just, I wanted that to be a part of my life. I think when, when you're, I think most coaches are insanely competitive. And when, once you get that in your blood, it's hard to get it out. And, and I didn't see that getting out when I was done playing. And so I just kind of jumped into coaching and I, 
you know, I got lucky. I, I got to coach at Dana for a year. I switched back over to the men's side at Hastings College, which is also in the GPAC. Um, had my two-year sabbatical from the GPAC when I, I coached at Dickinson State up in North Dakota and then came here to Briarcliff, and, and I guess the rest is history at this point. But that, that's kind of my, my path. I've been fortunate to work with outstanding coaches who maybe even more than being great coaches are great people and were great mentors for me. And, and so I, I just feel very fortunate uh, on, of the path that I was able to take over the last 15, 16 years here. Was that vision where you uh, saw yourself as a public school teacher or a school teacher, was that what drove you to uh, Hastings to do the graduate assisting? Because I see you got your master's there while you were, while you were coaching over there. I did. And, and honestly, after that first year of coaching for me, it was, I was going to be a college basketball coach. I mean, I absolutely knew after that, that I went to get a master's degree because that was going to help advance my career. You know, I was going to open some more doors for, for assistant coaching possibilities and, you know, potentially down the road head coaching. And so that was, it was just a kind of quick two-year stop for me. Had a great experience there, but I, I knew going into that, I wanted to be a college coach. And I think after my time at Hastings, I, I knew that my goal was to become a head coach. And anybody who's kind of come up the ranks as an assistant will tell you it's a frustrating road sometimes because you think you're ready and, and you try to get this job or that job and you don't and it's frustrating. But, you know, I, I've told my assistants here, I can think back about a year before I became head coach, there was another job I really wanted, didn't get, and was really frustrated and then like nine months later, I'm the head coach at Briarcliff, which was a better situation than what I would have taken. And, and so it's just funny how it works out. You try to just do your work and, and put yourself in the best situation possible um, and then just hope it happens. And, and I was incredibly lucky to take over Briarcliff when I did. It was an established program. Uh, we'd come off a couple straight conference championships at the time. And, and the culture was really, really strong when I took over. So I, I was incredibly lucky as a first-time head coach. Mark, you've been at this for a few years. Uh, I'm kind of a stats guy, digging into your team a little bit. First thing that jumped out at me is you really take care of the ball. Most of your starters have a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. That's incredible. And then the other thing is, and this doesn't surprise anybody, but the number of threes. Talk about your basketball philosophy. What, it, what is it that you really drive home? What do you expect? It, it starts with we want to be an a, incredibly efficient offense. And, you know, I, I think to go back even further, I think it starts with recruiting the right players. And for us, we, we want good basketball players. You know, that's the ultimate goal for all of us in college basketball. But I think it, we, we want really high IQ players, guys that understand the game, guys that can, can make reads, make cuts in the moment, out on the floor guys that can learn how to play without the basketball in their hands. Uh, but we really focus on our offensive efficiency. We want to move the ball. We want to play from the inside out. And that's not like a traditional post-up game, but we want to drive it, kick it, space it, get the defense scrambling a little bit. And then, you know, we, we want layups and we want open threes. And we've been fortunate that we've had some outstanding three-point shooters um, over the last decade of our program. And that's absolutely something we recruit to as well. Um, but it comes down to efficiency. It comes down to taking great shots, passing up good shots for great shots, and having a bunch of guys on the floor that are willing to share the ball, willing to sacrifice maybe their stats or their shots for the good of the team. And I think when you get to that point, you're going to have a chance to be pretty good. And this is a pretty common style in the GPAC. I'm curious how it came about there. 
not everybody, but the bulk of the people in that area play, I, I call it the four out, one in, or however you want to describe it. It's, it's a very common style. Yeah, it, and that's a great question. And, you know, like I said, I, I've been around this league um, since 2002 when I started as a player. And I, I wish I could pinpoint when or how or who started it. Um, but I can tell you when I played, everybody was playing two big guys, you know, a traditional four, a traditional five. Wasn't a lot of ball screens, didn't shoot a lot of threes. And it just kind of slowly evolved. And I would say over the last eight years, maybe, it's really become the prevalent style in our league. You know, there's we've definitely had some great big guys, and we have some right now in our league. But it's been a very guard-dominant league. It's been a space and pace league. And, and obviously, you know, GPAC teams shoot a lot of threes. And so it's it's a fun style of basketball to play. Um, and within that, there's you're going to get different styles. It's not everybody plays the same way. We have some similar philosophies, but you're going to see a lot of different styles within that, I think. And, you know, the years we've been fortunate enough to play at the NAI National Tournament, I've always felt very prepared um, coming out of the GPAC because, one, we've played really good teams, but, two, we've played multiple styles, and, and there's probably not a whole lot that's going to surprise us or shock us when you get to that point. So I, I don't know where it started. I can tell you it's pretty fun um, to coach. It's not always fun to coach because every night's an absolute battle. But uh, it, it's really fun to compete in the GPAC and, and be a part of it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, you got every starter back except for Ethan Friedel. Is that right? Uh, Ethan was a part-time starter for us a year ago and, and was a really good player. He, he really battled injuries his last year and a half playing here. Um, so we kind of moved him into a six-man role last year. But, yeah, we, we have five starters back. Um, and actually – one of those guys is coming off the bench for us this year um, because we have another guy who was with us last year that didn't play, um, who's a really good player for us. So we're, we're excited. You know, we, we, we played one already. I'm sure you looked that up. Uh, we played last Friday. Um, and so we're, we're really excited about our team. I think we're really veteran. We have a lot of experience. And I, I think or certainly hope that we're ready to, to take a big step forward this year. One player that really caught my eye is Quentin uh, Vassa, he's six foot eight. Is this right on the roster? He's six foot eight. Yeah. He shoots fifty four percent from three, and he leads your team or led your team last season in assists. Uh, that's pretty unusual for a six foot eight guy. Yeah, and, and I gotta tell you, he, Quentin's a great story. We we recruited him really hard. He he's out in Nebraska City, Nebraska. Won three straight state championships in high school. And he came here, he was 6'8", maybe 175 pounds, really skinny, not quite physically ready to play college basketball. And his first two years, he, he didn't play. You know, he was on the team, he sat at the bench, didn't play much. And then last year, he just kind of burst on the scene. Uh, first game he ever really played and started, I think he had 18 points, eight rebounds, something like that. And he's a guy that we play him as a five He's far from a traditional five. He, he's not a big back-to-the-basket post-up player, but he has an incredible feel for the game. We run a lot of our offense through the high post, which is where he plays. And so he has the ball in his hands a lot, and he's a great passer, and, and he can shoot threes. He's, he's become a, a really solid defender. Um, and just throughout his career, he's gotten bigger, stronger. And I think when you do that, especially I can say this as someone who's 6'8 themselves, once you start getting bigger and stronger, I think your confidence soars as a big guy. And I think that really happened with Quentin. And so he had a great junior year for us last year, and, and we're really excited about what he can do for us this year as well. 
I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but 86 assists with only 50 turnovers. So he takes care of the ball really well. Then you have an all-conference uh, player, uh, Jaden. I'm going to mess up his name, Klein Hesselink. You nailed it. Well, I was just going to say, last season's uh, 14 points, five rebounds, all-conference guy. Yeah, Jaden's a tough, tough kid. You know, he came in as a freshman, and he was he was playing behind a couple guys who were really good for us, Eric Erdman and Jay Wolf. And he was kind of a backup, played a little bit right away as a freshman, um, can really shoot the ball. And then Eric Erdman actually got hurt that year, had a season-ending injury. So we really thrust Jaden into a big role as a freshman. And he had to, he had to grow up quick and, and learn on the fly. And like I said, he's as tough as they come. I, I have coached him incredibly hard. I'm, I've always been really demanding of our best players. And, and Jaden's always handled that, thrived with it. He's had some huge games in his career. And I think the, the, the best thing you can say about Jaden, he's just rock solid and steady. He doesn't have many bad games. Um, he's a good defender, and he, he's kind of the heartbeat of our team, and, and we go as he goes. And that doesn't mean he has to score 25 points for us, but when he's running the show for us, uh, we're pretty good, I think. So he's out of Sheldon, Iowa, and you've got uh, three other guys all returning uh, starters. or Well, Connor Grove started quite a bit, but they all shoot over 40% from three. Yeah, Quinn Vesey out of Indianola, Iowa. Connor Groves out of Sergeant Bluff, Iowa, and then uh, Nick Hoyt out of uh, Harrisburg, South Dakota. Pretty good foundation to build on. You talk about those guys? Yeah, for sure. Th- those guys, uh, they were all in the same recruiting class. And, you know, I think some people might have questioned what we were doing recruiting-wise because they're all maybe just a tad undersized guards, and, and none of them are necessarily point guards. They all play off the ball more than they play with the ball. Um, but those three guys are like 6'1", 6'2", and, and 5'11". Uh, but, you know, again, it goes back to our recruiting philosophy. We want really good players that are high IQ, and that's what those guys are. They can all really shoot the ball. Nick Hoyt is a freshman, shot 54% from three. Um, he, he is as elite of a, of a shooter as I've been around. Um, Connor Groves has gotten better and better throughout his time here. He, he as a freshman, was pretty much just a three-point shooter, and he's really expanded his game where he puts it on the floor. He's become really, really good using ball screens. And then Quinn Vesey was kind of the, I guess, the outlier of those three. The, Nick and Connor played as freshmen, and Quinn didn't play a whole lot that freshman year. Uh, and right after their freshman year was when COVID hit, and, you know, guys were home. We weren't together all that summer. Quinn came back, a way better basketball player. His body was better. And, you know, he went from not playing to – playing I think the second most minutes on our team last year and he's he's tougher than nails he's a great defensive player can score it multiple ways and was a GPAC player of the week once last week and and those three guys have just been talk about guys that buy into your culture buy into what you're doing I think those three guys as much as anybody in our program epitomizes that you know we've mentioned the GPAC a couple of times coach Morningside is is right up there, 10th or 11th, I can't remember, uh, Jamestown. But then you've got a lot of perennial powers in the conference as well. Just talk about what you expect from the GPAC this season. I tell you what, Bill, it's, uh, I, we joked about this as coaches in our league because I think it, it's probably an overused phrase of, man, it's, our, our league's really good top to bottom, or this is the best our league's been in a while. I really think that this year. I think you look, we have 11 teams in our league. And I think you can confidently say almost everybody in our league is better than they were a year ago. And, you know, Jamestown went to the Elite Eight a year ago. Morningside 
Sweet 16. Northwestern went to the round of 32. You know, and frankly, I thought we had a couple other teams that were very worthy of, of potentially being national tournament teams. But with, with what the NAI did, cutting some teams out of that, I think that probably hurt our league. But, man, you look top to bottom, it's really, really good. You know, Northwestern, who was a national tournament team a year ago, gets picked fourth. And, and I can tell you they're going to be really good. It, as the season goes on and you follow the scores, don't be shocked if you see, you know, a team who's sitting in eighth place knock off the first place team or team in 11th place knock off a second or third place team. It's just there's a, a lot of depth of talent in our league, and I, I think the coaching's really good. And you know, like I already said, it's just a really fun league to be a part of. Um, I think we have a lot of really good kids and a lot of really good rivalries within our league, and, and that makes it fun. We all want to beat each other, but it's also respectful at the same time. And that just, it makes it really fun within our league. I agree, Mark. Uh, I was doing some research last night, breaking down the, the uh, G-Pack, but from top to bottom, pretty tough. You know, Jamestown, everybody knows they have Mason Walters, phenomenal athlete, Uh, but what, you know, they've got young guards and, but they've got Devin Schultz, who's just a big guy. And this year he seems to be playing pretty good. If if they can get good minutes out of Schultz along with Mason Walters, and if those guards can produce, Jamestown could surprise some people. Yeah, I think they're going to be really good. You know, it's just they're big, they're physical, and, and they got shooters all over the floor to go with it. They're they're a, they're a matchup nightmare. Um, it's not fun to go up there and play them because you know they're going to be well coached and and they're going to have good players. And you better bring your A game. Or you 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 can get blown out up at Jamestown real quick, and and unfortunately we've been on we've been on that side of it once, but uh, yeah they're 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 going to be really good, and I think I think they probably have a lot of momentum with how they finished last season, you know the run they went on um, in the national tournament. Yeah, it got those young guys some good experience. Another school that surprised me when your conference rankings came out is Mount Marty. I think was third from the bottom. You know they got the new coach this year, Colin Author. I don't know. They looked pretty good the other day. Well, of course, they were playing Spurgeon, but, uh, you know, it's not going to be an easy trip into there either. No, it, it never is, and I, I haven't had the chance to watch them play yet this year, but I know they have they have some nice players back from last year. Obviously, they went on a nice run in the conference tournament all the way to the championship game, and, you know, with a new coach, it's always interesting to see what they do a little differently, how they play a little differently, and, you know, we actually see them here in just a couple weeks. It's one of our early GPAC games, so we'll get a first-hand hand look at that, but you know, I think, yeah, they where they're picked, you know, who knows? You know, preseason polls really don't mean much. You and I both know that. But, you know, I think sometimes it's just the unknowns with a new coach. But I, I think they're going to – they'll be as good as anybody when it's all said and done. Hey, Mark, you tell me if I'm crazy. I think if I was a coach in the preseason conference poll, I think I would prefer to be picked 10th because it, <laughs> it just is locker room material, right? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, in, in my time at Briarcliff, we've been all over the map on that. And in the times I've been the head coach, frankly, I don't even know if we – I don't think we talked about it with our guys this year because at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. It's a guess. A lot of it's based off what you did the year before. But, yeah, there's definitely probably been some years where that was posted in the locker room and others where it wasn't. But, yeah, I, I think it's always easier to motivate your team when you're picked lower than, you know, where you think or, or what you might like. Yeah, I think you're definitely right there. Well, I know I know it would tick me off. <laughs> I know that. So, you know, you've got a great program there at Briarcliff. And I, you know, Coach Parnell mentioned to me the other day, how come you, you haven't had uh, Mark on? I've talked about your program so often on the show, I guess I just automatically thought that I'd had you on. So I apologize that it took so long. But 
not an issue at all. And I, I know you had Jackson Lamb on a couple years ago. Oh, uh, great he kid. He was a senior. He, yeah, an outstanding. Yeah, he's a he's he's one of the best. He's an unbelievable scorer for us, and and an unbelievable young man. On top of that, um, so I knew I knew he had been on, and you know, like I said, Justin and I talk every now and again, and I try to limit the times I bring up that you know we're one and zero against Oregon Tech since he and I have been the coaches. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, but uh, I try to limit that. It's all it's all in good fun though. Um, he's got a heck of a program, and they're going to be really good this year. So. But, uh, yeah, it's great being on. I appreciate you taking the time and, and talking about our program and the GPAC. And anytime you need me to come back on, Bill, I'd be more than happy to. Well, that's great. I, you know, real quick, I want to talk about that interview with Jackson Lamb. And if people have a, all those interviews with those seniors after the COVID season ended are all still up on the podcast. And they're really great. I mean, they are really great to listen to those guys. But when I interviewed Jackson Lamb, I was reading up on him and, I found an article in a local newspaper that talked about him getting a a a, a, a minus in a world history class. You know, he's really a heck of a student, right? That's kind of his trademark. And I was asking him about his grades and you know what drove him to be a good student and all this. And I said, uh, now I I, I, heard, I said I heard a rumor that you got an A minus in world history. And you just got to listen to the podcast to hear his pause. And you know, in his mind, he's thinking, who is this guy? <laughs> Yeah, that I tell you what, he, like I said, Jackson was a two-time All-American for scored just shy of 2,000 points at Briarcliff. And, you know, I talked a little bit ago about how hard I've coached Jaden Klein-Hessling. Well, it's got nothing on how hard I coached Jackson Lamb. I was incredibly demanding of him. And he became an all-around offensive player where when he came, he was just a three-point shooter. And, and he was a self-made player. He worked at it. And like I said, he's a better young man than he is a basketball or he was a basketball player. He's in he's in physical or physicians assistant school now. He's gonna be incredibly successful in life. And at the end of the day, I think that's as much of a reflection of of a program uh than winning and losing is is what your guys are doing when they're done. And we've been fortunate we've had outstanding young men in our program that have gone on to do some some great things. And I, I'm really proud of all those guys. As you should be. Mark Svagara, head coach of Briarcliff. I really appreciate you being on the show. Look forward to talking to you during the season. Talk a little uh, GPAC basketball, especially after you knock off somebody you weren't expected to. Those are always fun conversations. How's that? that you name it. Anytime you went on the road, that's 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 one of the best days of the year. Exactly. It doesn't matter who it is, where they're ranked, anything like that. That's road right. wins in the conference are the best. It's like there's an old quote that says, what's the best win in college basketball? It's any road win. That's no, no coach is going to argue that. Okay, Mark. Thank you very much. Appreciate you being on. Absolutely. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate all you do to, to bring exposure to the NAIA and, and particularly NAIA basketball.